the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. Supporting companies and their employees for 75 years. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week my guests in studio are Wim Verbrocken, Chief Executive of KBC Bank Ireland, which last week announced its commitment to the Irish market, and Breed O'Connell, the Chief Executive of Guaranteed Irish, who has plans to rebrand the scheme to make it relevant for the 21st century. First, the KBC Bank Ireland. On February 9th, Belgian bank KBC committed to its Irish subsidiary following a lengthy strategic review. Wim Verbracken outlines the reasons behind this decision in spite of the uncertainty that Brexit and Trump might have on Ireland's economic growth. He also talks about KBC's digital first strategy, its redress programme for some tracker mortgage customers and the future of the housing market here. Uh, Wim Verbracken, thank you for joining us in studio. As I mentioned in the intro, KBC, your Belgian parent, has decided um, to stand four square behind the Irish subsidiary going forward following a strategic review. And maybe you could just take us through the, the reasons uh, behind that, the thinking on behalf of KBC in Belgium. First of all, I think it's understandable that KBC Group, coming out of the crisis, uh, takes a meta- methodical view uh, on its operations in Ireland. And they've done so in the last t- two years, uh, which, by the way, gives a, gave us the chance, uh, let's say, to run, return to profitability uh, and to build a retail bank, which gave ultimately KBC Group the optionality to, to make the decision that they uh, that they made. And there were three options on the table, yes. weren't there? Let, let's just maybe chat yes. about those. I mean, one was to continue growing the bank organically. Indeed. Another was to develop a bank assurance model. And the other was effectively to quit the market, wasn't yeah, it? Indeed, indeed. And, and essentially what it came down to is, is a combination of the first two, uh, essentially. Um, and, and, the, and the factors that played into the KBC decision are... are probably threefold. The first one is obviously the remarkable recovery of the Irish economy. Uh, Without that, it would have been much more difficult. Uh, And if you combine the recovery over the last couple of uh, years with the very strong fundamentals that the the economy is currently showing, and and add on top of that the the very attractive demographics uh, of uh, Ireland as a country in terms of population, uh, very young, very digital savvy, very well educated, that was a very, let's say, sound basis to uh, to make a decision. Uh, the second, uh, obviously, is the, the turnaround performance of, of the bank itself. Uh, you've followed us for the last couple of years. We've really, uh, let's say, um, got to a point where first we uh, brought all the legacy issues under control. Um, we, we are now dealing with them in an expedited fashion. But at the same time, we built that new retail bank uh, that uh, is getting more and more traction. And, and let's say the plans around that uh, were quite convincing for for group. Uh, but finally, I think um, every financial group is is mainly looking at the future, not so much at the past. It was um, the, the acknowledgement that KBC is very well positioned in this market to capitalize on the opportunities that are out there in, in the future that mm. really swayed it. <clears throat> I just wonder whether the Brexit vote in the UK uh, in June of last year whether that caused KBC to have any second thoughts about committing to its Irish subsidiary. Yes. Uncertainty is obviously not something that um, that financial groups um, like. Uh, Brexit today is, is mainly uncertainty about the outcome. The outcome is not yet known, whether it's hard or soft. Um, there's still let's say, a lot of uh, talk about this and, and it will probably only transpire over the years. Uh, 
but the Brexit situation has definitely been taken into account in, let's say, the, the considerations that KBC has made. It did, right. And it's still decided yes, to commit absolutely. to the Irish subsidiary. Absolutely. And there is a lot of uncertainty around, isn't there? Because obviously Brexit hangs over the economy here. The economic forecasts for Ireland have already been reduced. Um, yes. There's a lot of Irish exporters are exposed to the UK market and, you know, they could it, have some uh, uncertain yeah. times ahead. And oh. then we have Donald Trump in the United States um, causing havoc in his own inimitable way. So that yes. could potentially be bad for Ireland as well. Uh, let's say on balance, the, the consensus is that these things are not good for the Irish economy. Uh, but still, uh, I think um, Ireland has shown a level of resistance, a, a level of flexibility to adjust to changing uh, circumstances. Uh, and this is something that KPC has, has definitely noted and it's it's been part of the, the consideration. So overall, uh, KBC is, is very positive about the long-term future in, in, Ireland. in Ireland. Okay, now, they have also signalled uh, their intention to grow the business here, uh, possibly by acquisition. I think it's fair to say you're subscale in this Irish market, certainly compared to your home market. Well, scale scale is part of, um, let's say, what you try to achieve. And, and, and we, we prefer to talk about relevance rather than scale. Uh, we believe we do not have to be number one, two, or even three uh, to be very profitable in, in this market. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's say uh, the, the market has seen a, a level of consolidation uh, and, and definitely I, I think uh, Irish consumers have been starved for choice, for good choice. And uh, one of the things that KBC's decision definitely brings is more, is more competition and better choice. And, that, and that's why uh, our decision was also welcomed by Minister Noon mm. uh, very soon. Kind of only brings the same level of competition that we've had to date, well, really, doesn't it? I think I think um, it's fair to say that KBC's approach to banking is different. Um, you can you can see it from our physical setup, um, and and our differentiation will accelerate and will be emphasized. Okay. T- going tell us forward. about that. Uh, what shape and form is that going to take? Well, we we will tell you when we deliver specific. Um, specific innovation, uh, because that's really. But give us uh, a flavour for it. what we might well, expect. The, the, the things that are, and it's all customer driven. Uh, in in our announcements, we've we've indicated that we really want to be a digital first, customer centric uh, bank, um, in in the sense that we look at the needs of the consumer, and and the consumer really wants three things. One, he wants it immediately. He wants immediate gratification. He wants immediate use of his products and services. Two, he wants it all the time, wherever he is. And the third thing is uh, he wants it personalized, which is a level of proactivity that banks typically don't have. They run campaigns for, uh, let's say, same fits, um, let's say, fits everybody. Um, So these are the three dimensions that we will deliver innovation on in in the coming months. And what about price? Because price is key, obviously, the... Well, you know the the rate at which you pitch your your products, your loans, etc. I mean, yes. that's very important. Yes, price price is key, um, and and we've been very con- competitive, and we will remain very competitive with our products. But research has shown that price is not everything to consumers. Um, otherwise, a lot of consumers who are currently in a position where they would benefit financially from switching would would switch. And still, mm. there is a level How of. Many people have there. switched to KBC. Uh, bank, uh, we, let's say over the last couple of years. Let's say we've we've opened more than seventy thousand accounts in two thousand seventeen, and we now have more. Two thousand sixteen. S- sorry, two thousand sixteen. We have now about two hundred and forty thousand customers, uh, which is a doubling uh, over the last three years. And, and so, and so have our you managed to persuade if, any mortgage customers to switch? Of, of course. How many? Of course. 
I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go into the detail of that, but our market reading is that we have a very good portion of the switching market. And what about uh, variable mortgage rates? A lot of focus here, particularly in the political arena, on the standard variable mortgage rate in Ireland, yes. which is about two percentage points higher Correct. than in the rest of the Eurozone area. Yes. So you're making super profits on these mortgages. I wouldn't say super profits. First, uh, and you know that, about 40% of our customers are on very, very cheap tracker rates. Okay, that's, that's one. Two, uh, the rates in Ireland are higher than in Western Europe, but for a good reason. Um, because the risk-return equation in Ireland is different than in Europe. And there's certain choices, uh, societal choices that Ireland has made in terms of, um, let's say, the... Uh, the, the ease with which, uh, for instance, collateral can be can be won out, and that's a, that's a choice that a society can make. But that has an impact on uh, on pricing. The volatility uh, of uh, let's say results in the banking market um, has has been much greater in Ireland than it has been in Western Europe. Um, we hold m- more than double the capital that we would have to hold for a similar mortgage in Western Europe. All of these factors play into pricing. And people refer very often to market rates, which are at at record loads. Market rates are one of the factors, but they're not the determining factors. And we believe that increased competition and only increased competition will ultimately uh, lead to uh, pricing that that will approach. So you'd like to see more pairs come into the market? The market in, in mortgages has been vibrant and we welcome that because we mm. believe that when there is more going on in the mortgage market, we have more. But is the reality that people who are taking out a standard variable rate uh, with KBC at the moment or who are on a standard variable rate yeah. and indeed with the other banks as well, that they're effectively subsidizing those on trackers? Well, let's say if you would look at our uh, rate sheets, uh, you would see that at the end of last year, we announced a program where new and existing customers can map to the rates that are offered to new customers today uh, mm. based on... So what's your best, what's your best uh, it is below, mortgage rate? It is below 3%. It is below 3%. And what are the conditions on that? I, let's say I wouldn't be drawn yeah. into the specifics. It's obviously, as I said, risk-based in the sense that it it refers to a certain uh, loan-to-value uh, and it depends on... on, on and that's for a fixed term, is it? Yes. Presumably yeah, less fixed than, and, and variable okay. term. Yes. And I know on the personal loan side, you have an offer at the minute of 6.3%, which Indeed. strikes me as one of the lowest Indeed. rates Indeed. Uh, in the market. But again, that's for but a fixed period and you either get in before the deadline or... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, consumer finance and, and personal loans, credit, credit cards are an area where we are... Uh, subscale, as you would call it, in the sense that we haven't achieved the prominence. We're not yet famous for these products as we are for mortgages, where we have more than 10% in the market. And our ambition for the future is to have the same relevance on these products, but also on deposits and asset management. What kind of market share would you like across the range of products uh, that you have? The, the group is putting forward a number of 10%, uh, which is a, a benchmark for relevance, because once you have 10% in any market, you're a player that can co-influence events, can co-influence standards, can co-influence pricing. And that is... That the mortgage is, rate is probably a bit higher than that, though. Well, on mortgages, it is. It is. And, and we're... Let's what are we say, at on mortgages now, 12, well, 13%? Yes, in, in, in that range for, for new production and on the stock, we've always had uh, about 10%. And we're, we're obviously uh, determined to defend that as the market 
uh, grows, uh, which we definitely expect okay. in 17. Now, we talked about tracker mortgages, and uh, there's a very big issue in the marketplace at the minute uh, around the central bank investigation that it has ordered all of the banks to undertake on their mortgage books to see if anybody might have been dena- denied uh, a tracker mortgage rate at some point in the past or might have been overcharged, uh, etc. And we've had figures from all of the other banks in the Irish market, uh, but no figures yet from KBC. Why not? Yes, because we are still in the middle of a process. Uh, we have uh, conducted the examination uh, fully in line with the, uh, uh, let's say, the expectations set by the central bank. We've responded in time, uh, but right now we're still in discussion with the central bank. They're actually conducting uh, an inspection uh, to to check our high level macro assumptions in terms of transparencies and and the policies that we applied, but also at a micro level, they're they're looking at samples of our files to make sure that the conclusions that we have proposed to them in in September uh, before the deadline are are uh, correct and that they could agree with that. And as soon as we have that sign off, we will communicate publicly. And when would that be? We hope as soon as possible. We we let's say uh, we would like to communicate about the total extent of the issue uh, for KBC. What I can say, and I think that's important for people uh, to know, is that uh, where we have found errors, where we have found that people are not on the right rate, we have already communicated, we have already reached out to these customers to put it to put it right. So, so uh, we have not stopped uh, for the full process to conclude to already start uh, stopping the So harm. you've already taken actions? Yes. And how many people have you written? Uh, that is part of the communication that we hope to... Okay, to but are, are to we talking to, in the hundreds or the thousands? Well, let's say a, a, a number of customers uh, have been contacted by us and say, we'd like to refer, if you would go uh, forensically through your own work, uh, as, as we have now been doing, you would definitely find uh, uh, errors and, and, and mistakes and, and failures on our part. And we've apologized um, for that to the, the individual uh, customers. You've apologised to the individual customers. But can we just sort of try and put some sort of ballpark uh, number on this? Are we talking, I mean, in terms of the number of customers that you've written to already, is it less than 100, more well, than 100? Let's say we, we don't want to be drawn into into communicating about that because, uh, the let's say, the process with the central bank hasn't, uh, hasn't been completed yet. And as soon as that is the case, we'd be happy uh, yeah, to give you numbers. Can you see customers out there who are wondering what's going on? Well, we will contact them uh, individually if we have identified that they uh, have been affected and we will put in place a process where customers can inquire whether their mm. their file is in scope. So, And no, this is a large undertaking for, for the bank, obviously. I presume well, you have a lot of people working on this at the minute. We, we give it all the attention that it How many that people have you had working on this we've, project? We've brought in people from... Uh, let's say, from outside to assist us w- with that. Uh, and it's proportionate to the problem that we have. Uh, and let's say it's it's adequate to, to meet the deadline. So that's that's all I, I can say about that. Now. And how much does it cost the bank to date in, in well, various we have, costs? We have, we have absorbed these costs thus far in our accounts in 2016. Um, so uh, it's it's all part of, of the results that we have posted uh, because obviously these these costs have been been incurred, mm. and whatever. How much are we, we talking about? Well, it's it's uh, it's a number that is included in in our accounts. Right, but you don't want to tell us on air. No. Right. Okay. Um, and when will these people, just in terms of redress, obviously putting people back on the correct rate is one step, but obviously offering them redress and compensation, which is something that the central bank 
wants to happen is is another step entirely. So when when will these people begin receiving uh, redress and compensation? As, as soon as we receive sign off from the central bank that our proposals for redress and and compensations are acceptable um, and, and and agreed upon, we will roll that out. So what we have done is reach out to these customers to put them on the right rate and, and tell them that mm. we will be in touch with them later and hopefully as soon as possible uh, to talk about uh, redress and compensation. And is this an issue you hope to put to bed uh, finally in 2017? I would hope so, yes. Right, okay. Um, and just on the mortgage market, uh, actually, at the minute, what I mean, what impact do you think that the relaxation in the first-time buyer rules by the central bank has had on this uh, new uh, help-to-buy scheme from the government? What, what impact are you seeing? I know it's early days, but you're probably seeing a, a, some level of impact at this stage. I'd say we see a pipeline today that is, that is uh, stronger than it was last year. Uh, I think all the market participants, whether it's on the, the banking side, but also on the customer side, have now adjusted to uh, to these macroprudential rules. I'm not so sure that the, the relaxation for first-time buyers will, will mean a lot. Um, the, as, as we've discussed before, the problem is mainly in the supply. Uh, I know there is various initiatives, uh, let's say, to bring more housing to the market, uh, affordable units, which I believe is, is what is needed first. And once that is happening, I think uh, we will we will see a normalization of, of the situation and hopefully more business for us as well. Okay. How many mortgages would you have approved last year or would have been drawn down? Um, we, we would have, let's say, over 10% of uh, the overall market, so um, in excess of 600 million, 650 million. Okay. And what do you, what do you expect from this year? We, we expect, as I said, uh, an increase by about 15%. That's, that's the consensus that is going around today. You think that's KBC also what can achieve that? Yes, right. absolutely. Okay. So that's, what, another 100 million or yeah. thereabouts yes, in, uh, in loans. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, the housing market's a bit of a mess here at the minute. I don't know what it's like in Belgium. Uh, have you any uh, solutions to offer the government, uh, any suggestions to offer the government? I don't think there's a silver bullet. I, I think uh, the government is putting the right initiatives in, in, in place and... and Let's say uh, I think it's going to be a, take a combination of a number of, of initiatives. Uh, but as I said, I, it's mainly on the supply side. I, I understand that they're trying to unlock land banks that are under control of local authorities. I think all of these will contribute to the solution. Okay. Now, looking ahead um, and looking for growth comes in all different shapes and forms. You have 15 hopes in Ireland at the minute, and that's... Um, a substantial increase to where you were, let's say, five or six years ago. A lot of that growth has happened in recent years. Um, is that just about the right number for KBC, or do you see that figure growing? It, it is about the right number uh, for our, um, let's say, operating in our commercial model, uh, which, as I said, is, is different from, from that of the, the incumbent banks. Um, we, we may add, uh, let's say, one more, maybe two more, uh, if we really see a strategic uh, opening in in let's say, a location that we haven't been able to access yet. But we have seen very good coverage of our target market with with the hub network that we have. Um, the, the, uh, and Jeremy Massing, in fact, he complimented you before Christmas <laughs> in an interview nice. he did with me very uh, nice for the Irish Times. He, he said he, d- he described it as cool. Yes. He, well, I think he was probably talking about, uh, the, the let's say, the, uh, the modern look of and, and feel of the hubs. Um, Let's say you have to know that our hubs, um, they are very, let's say, focused on the commercial effort and reaching out to the local communities as well, uh, which means that it, it kind of increases their uh, their reach 
even if we have, uh, let's say, a limited network, if you would compare it to other mm. banks. It's, it's more about sales and advice rather than transactional services nowadays. Absolutely. Uh, the, the fulfillment, as we would call it, has been centralized and we would like to bring as much as possible and is convenient for consumers uh, in, in, in digital processes so that um, our staff, uh, which are very well versed in, in, in uh, let's say, the knowledge about more complex products mm. can can spend their time um, doing what they do best, yeah. which is advising uh, the, their customers. Maybe subconsciously that comment by Jeremy Masting was a reaching out to KBC uh, in, in the hope that perhaps there might be a tie-up uh, down the road between the two banks and permanent TSB. One of those uh, institutions that is commonly referred to when people talk about KBC doing an acquisition in Ireland. You know, you're of similar size and balance sheet terms and so on. And a, a merger might make perfect sense. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the communication last week was very clear by KBC. Our first priority is to grow organically. We see a lot of scope for us to to uh, to grow in, in markets such as consumer finance in asset management. Uh, still, um, if, let's say, opportunities... Uh, will come across our table. Obviously, we will look at them mm. uh, for strategic fit, uh, also for cultural fit, and, and, and whether they are financially sound. Mm. How uh, about FBD? That's another one that gets referred to commonly. Indeed, that's another one. Uh, so that's all we can say about that. But but you bring up an interesting point, insurance. Um, KBC Group is a bank insurance group. It's one of the few European players that, that adhere to that model uh, to, to great uh, success. Uh, and ultimately, our calling in Ireland is also to, to uh, let's say, uh, build that, that model. Um, and as you know, today we have distribution arrangements with Irish Life and with, uh, with Zurich. They work very well for, uh, for us, and we will nurture these relationships. Um, but do you see yourself acquiring, whether it's FBD or somebody else, yes. do you see yourself acquiring an insurance business or a life business or an asset manager? Well, ultimately, our destiny is to uh, have a fully integrated bank insurance model in place. But that can take a while. And whether that's going to be a greenfield operation or a combination with one of the existing players, time will tell. Right. Which brings me neatly on to um, your own position with the bank, uh, yes. Wim. You came in more than three years ago. Uh, I suppose there was a bit of tidying up to be done. There were legacy issues that needed to be sorted out. Uh, and it was also a parallel process to grow the number of branches and improve the customer experience and all of that. You're now at the point where, as you say, you're quite profitable now, 227 million net profit last year, I think compared to 75 million the previous year. Um, and the company has committed to, to Ireland and... There's another sort of phase of its development ahead, probably a three or five year time frame maybe for, for that phase. So how are you feeling about that? I mean, are you the person to take that on over the next three to five years or do you see yourself moving on to another well, challenge? Well, we're, we're very happy with the results and, and, and thank you for elaborating on them. Uh, and, but obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a collective effort. Uh, I know that many executives like to think of themselves in, in the capacity of a key man uh, dependency. Um, You're too modest for that. I'm, I'm, I'm too modest for that. No, but I, I know, I, I know that um, the result of, of, of what, let's say, what we have achieved is, is ultimately the sum of a lot of efforts from very good people sure. within the organization. Well, and where does Wim Verbracken see himself yes. in three years' time? Well, let's say I, I serve at the, at the, uh, at the pleasure of, uh, of my employer, uh, KBC Group, as we, we all do. Uh, but I'm, I'm very confident that KBC will, will put together a very good team 
to, to uh, let's say, to manage and, and, and steer the bank in, in years to come. No right. doubt about that. So do you have the hunger for this next phase? Oh. Do you want to be the man who leads these acquisitions? Oh, obviously, given where we are, uh, there are very exciting times ahead for, for all of us across the organization uh, with, the, the let's say, the full group behind us now with, uh, with that full commitment. Uh, who wouldn't want to be part of that journey? Right, okay. William for Bracken, thank you for joining us. We'll take a short break now. When we return, I'll be talking to Breed O'Connell, the Chief Executive of Guaranteed Irish, about her plans to relaunch the brand. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Welcome back to the show. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. I'm joined in studio by Brida O'Connell, Chief Executive of Guaranteed Irish, who's here to tell us about her plans to relaunch the membership scheme. Uh, let me just remind you, if you want to support this podcast, you might like to remind your colleagues and friends that Inside Business is available for free to download from iTunes. You'll also find it on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. And you can have your say on issues covered by Inside Business via email at businesspodcast.irishtimes.com. So, Brie O'Connell, thank you for joining us in studio. Uh, we're going to hear from, we did a little Vox Pop uh, in Dublin City Centre a little earlier, and we're going to hear from a, a few of those uh, people now shortly. Unfortunately, we were looking for Irish people who might be coming out with a bag of shopping and we we're hoping to interrogate them about uh, whether they bought any guaranteed Irish products or not. But I think the whole exercise uh, that myself and uh, my producer Declan Conlon did was a bit of an insight into the diversity of, uh, of nationalities in Dublin City Centre. Uh, but anyway, let's have a listen to what uh, the people we met, uh, what some of them had to say. When you go shopping, would you look to buy Irish? Uh, if I'm in Ireland. If I'm in, I- in <laughs> Ireland, yes. It's actually the case today. It's written that it's made in Ireland. My Caesar salad wrap, oh, yeah. actually. It's written on it, and so I was nice. quite happy with it. Good. But yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm trying to look like for something local, and if we're in Ireland now, yeah, why not? I'm from New Zealand, and we did a massive big campaign back in the 80s, and it was buy New Zealand made, and it had a kiwi in the middle of it, and it's still, we still do it. Everything that had a kiwi on was all oh, buy New Zealand made. Oh, and, every, <laughs> and everyone would actually do that. Yeah. And they still do it today because sure. we had so much Asian imports and stuff taking jobs out of the country. But I'd definitely, if it had a shamrock in it and I knew it was Irish made, I'd definitely buy it. How long have you lived in Ireland? 15 years. Would Guaranteed Irish resonate with you from old? Yes, very much so. What would your memories of it be? Always wanting to buy local, whether it be in the Dublin area or any other part of Republic of Ireland. And would you look for the GIA symbol on products? Not Sometimes it would catch your eye, but I would still check to make sure if it hadn't got that symbol. I was still checked to see where it was sourced from. And if there was no Guaranteed Irish scheme, would it make any difference to you? Not really. No, if I was sure about the label, if I was sure about the label and, and the actual source, but if it was any difficulty, I wouldn't, no. And when you go shopping, do you specifically look to buy Irish or would price be a determining factor? No, quality. Shopping for myself, so I always go for quality. Okay, Breed, well... I thought Tom from Kulak, I thought his comments there were, were very interesting and perhaps uh, encapsulate um, the issues facing yourself at the minute, if you like, in the sense that he wants to buy Irish. He's very keen to buy Irish. He remembers the guaranteed Irish scheme of old. Uh, but, you know, does it really matter to him now? Probably not. 
Okay, so Guaranteed Irish is 43 years old this year. Uh, it's a national symbol for provenance and trust. There is no other national symbol for provenance and trust. Timing is good. People are very interested in finding where mm. their products are located, Can where I they're just from. Stop there? Because what about the Love Irish? Wasn't there a Love Irish or Love Irish food? Wasn't there a Absolutely. symbol? Absolutely, and that's predominantly used in food, only used in food, in fact. Uh, Guaranteed Irish is for all products across all sectors. So we represent pharmaceuticals, engineering, manufacturing, tech companies, finance companies. And we've just gone through a brand uh, uh, exercise where we've rebranded and repositioned where Guaranteed Irish is altogether better. It includes the Irish indigenous business, Mm -hmm. but it also includes the Irish international business. And it's based on two things. One, we can use it for marketing our products here at home. And so we're encouraging Irish consumers to A, recognise it, and there's a whole piece to be done there on consumer education and consumer awareness and let's start using the GI and looking for it and demanding it again in our products but two for the international Irish business which is a reflection of our our business here in Ireland and our whole um, I suppose vista of businesses that go on in Ireland it's important that we look at our global, trusted global partners and people who want to uh, gain like the trust talking about so talking we're talking about, about uh, large pharmaceuticals based here in Ireland yeah. um, tech companies based here in Ireland who are not necessarily indigenous so you're talking Irish. about an international pharma company that's making mm. drugs in Ireland Absolutely. Uh, Creating putting jobs. the guaranteed Irish symbol on its products that it's then exporting around the world. Absolutely. So perhaps a, an American company, let's Absolutely. say. Absolutely. So we have 80,000 doctors. What's guaranteed Irish? I mean, first of all, why would it matter to anybody who's uh, using these drugs, whether they're Irish or French or German or Brazilian? And secondly, is it not a bit of a... Uh, a misnomer, if you like. Okay, so uh, for an American company, drug company, let's say, based in Ireland, I think that's a very fair Irish. question, and I think there's a whole piece of education around that to be done and to communicate to the people of Ireland and to the businesses coming into Ireland. Ireland at the moment has a number of FDI b- businesses based here, in particular in the pharmaceutical, engineering, tech, the whole lot across the, all the spectrum. Uh, they employ uh, many of them employ a great number of employees. Uh, Irish talent uh, are, are, are finding employment in these companies. They're having opportunities to progress, they're uh, getting opportunities to be autonomous and to go on and develop, either grow into other companies themselves. So there's a great learning platform there as well as actually employment. Let me finish. So also, um, those companies want to have, uh, are contributing back into the community in which they're fed. The Guaranteed Irish of today is different to the Guaranteed Irish of yesteryear. Uh, It represents and reflects the businesses throughout the country. So uh, for the foreign direct investment or the American pharmaceutical base here. They're providing jobs, they're providing, um, they're p- feeding back into the community in which they're based and they're wearing their their Irishness as a badge of honour and that's a really important piece for us. And with Brexit and the US and changes in Europe going on the way they are, it's very important that Guaranteed Irish positions itself as an opportunity, as a great destination for doing better business. It's the national symbol for trust and provenance and we really need to wave that flag about a bit. But isn't there something odd um, that an American drug company would be using a guaranteed Irish symbol on its prox- uh, products, boxes, whatever it might be, uh, in international markets and sort of communicating to international customers that, th- that this product is guaranteed Irish. When everybody knows that the company behind the drug is actually American. Well, you, or well, you'll, find in pharmaceuticals, you'll find in pharmaceuticals they won't actually use it because pharmaceuticals are very re- regulated in terms of what they can use on their product and their boxing, etc. and packaging. What they do use it is on their PR and the communications piece and it's really important. And I'll tell you why it's important. It's, they value the whole Irishness and what it means in terms of positioning um, their business globally. And that Irish attention or that Irish attachment 
attachment is really important for them. And it signals to the people that they sell to, GPs, consultants across the world, that there is a whole integrity piece attached to them by being associated with Ireland. And that's something that they wear really strongly as a badge of honour. Yeah, OK, well... Look, your main focus, I suppose, is is at home. Yeah. And, and well, certainly the, the piece back in the 80s and 90s, I remember growing up, I, I did a straw mm. poll earlier asking people in the office, you know, what's their memory of Guaranteed Irish and what products would they have had? Um, and everybody talks about the copy books, the school right, copy books, yeah. the Spicer ones with the That's GI right. symbol right. on, on the on the back cover. Um, I mean, is that is that still the case today? That's very so much the case today. School, uh, not so much on the Spicer copy books. I'm not sure if Spicers are even a, a Guaranteed Irish member anymore or if they even produce copy books anymore. But it's certainly the case that the Guaranteed Irish symbol, uh, altogether better as a strapline, is being used throughout the country and for both Irish and international businesses. And it's as important as international businesses as well. Remember, a lot of our Irish businesses are exporting. Yes. And they want to be able to use the seal of approval oh, coming sure. from I Ireland. Can, I, I get that. I get so that. That's Especially very strong, yeah. Especially with food products. I mean, uh, the provenance of your beef, uh, etc. I can understand and, that would be And tech and, and the innovative side of things as well. Now, Guaranteed Irish in its new, if you like, like new life or new, newer reinvention, is very much about getting into the newer sides of business. So tech, finance, uh, science, pharmaceutical. Yeah. How many finance members important. have you got? Uh, I can't actually tell you that because I don't actually know the number off the top of my head. But Because um, see, some people might say we've had the biggest banking crash, the worst banking yeah. crash in the history of the world. Mm. Uh, and putting a guaranteed Irish uh, symbol. We don't you know, have any banks if it's any confirmation. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> but aside, 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 a financial services yeah. company mightn't yeah. mightn't be the best thing to do. Yeah, but they may, remember there's a whole new appraisals board which was never there before. Guaranteed Irish. So in the appraisals team, we have members from the National Standards Authority of Ireland and ISO consulting company and ourselves in Guaranteed okay. Irish. So it's really important. And we've just come from an appraisals meeting actually, and there's quite a few hoops they have to go through in terms of contributing back to jobs uh, creation. Uh, contributing to the community and um, you know showing its provenance and wearing its provenance with pride but remember not every member who applies to be a member of Guaranteed Irish will or every business who applies to be a Guaranteed Irish member will automatically qualify they have to go through some hoops checks and balances mm. and that's okay. really important it gives it, it gives a credibility well let's go teeth. back to brass tax then uh, how, how big is your budget how many staff have you got how many members have you got okay so we're just after going on to our sixth part time staff we're a very very small team our ambition is to go to 10 to 12 uh, we've uh, budget is purely made up of membership uh, marketing membership collateral we've about 300,000 in the kitty at the moment it's very small fry and our objective is to get on the coattails working with Enterprise Ireland and the likes of IDA through the Department of Jobs Enterprise and Innovation we're fully supportive of course in lip service but we actually need to get them now to put their money where their mouth is and let's, let's bandy about this and how many members again. have you got? We've got uh, 300 members at the moment and we've an ambition to grow to you know up in the thousands so there's a big drive at the moment in terms of campaigning and membership recruitment and bringing back Guaranteed mm. Irish to the same same strength as it was back in the 80s. So, I mean, back in the day, was uh, the, there was quite a bit of state involvement, including funding, uh, but that's not the case anymore. Huge involvement. Back in 1983, if you go through the archives, there was one million punts uh, apportioned to the promotion of Guaranteed Irish, just at national level alone. So no promotion abroad. I remember there was no digital at those days. So it was a very simple print, radio, bit of TV, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, our job now is to... Uh, 
reflect how we're going to make uh, stretch uh, our, our, our budget across digital and PR we're very very strong and our big objective is to connect and reconnect through interesting and um, more current campaigns so we've just launched the Guaranteed Irish Heroes Award uh, our first one was a Hero of the Arts where Mather the public street artist was nominated as the Guaranteed Irish Hero and that has um, that will last I suppose a push on that will last for two months then we'll in, uh, we're calling for public nominations for a Guaranteed Irish Hero of Sports etc across science technology etc so that'll keep the um, interest alive in it for the first 12 months in terms of a Guaranteed Irish Ambassadors campaign Business Ambassadors campaigns where we look for our Guaranteed Irish our best in class to act as our business ambassadors and advocates if you like across the world on behalf of Guaranteed Irish again a lot of interest in that we're rolling all these out through national PR and media campaigns and digital because obviously the best return of investment for us is, is, is along those lines but thirdly we're also going back into the schools on a tech side of things we're asking the transition year students in every school across the country to get involved in producing a film piece uh, highlighting a guaranteed Irish company in their neighbourhood their community again engagement getting communities involved with kids bringing back into I suppose the schools where we learnt about it and it's really just communicating that whole piece and putting the pride of provenance back in it and creating that whole trust associated mm. with good businesses uh, back into the schools and into the kids um, front of mind yeah, and I suppose back in the eighties, the economy wasn't in a great place, and, and buying Irish, shopping local was was a very big thing to try and support Absolutely. local producers, local shopkeepers, and so forth. But we live in a globalized world now, and we're in a single market in mm-hmm. Europe, uh, tariff free mm-hmm. trade, etc. It's really not as relevant anymore, is it? I'd argue, I'd argue with that. I think it's never been more relevant. It's people uh, shopping online, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right across the world to buy their clothes and other products. Absolutely. It's interesting. IEDR, just to produce some uh, stats there before Christmas, or after Christmas, I should say, in terms of the amount of shopping that was done online. But 27% of Irish businesses were only able to trade, uh, you know, in terms of e-commerce online. So they had a presence of some sort, but they weren't trading, which is crazy when you think of the amount of online shopping. And that's one of the areas that we're lobbying to government for, for that type of support for the SME sector to try and at least provide the training and the funding and the supports and the tech supports for those types of business, be it through the LEOs, the EI or GI. And the GI members that we're out there lobbying on behalf of is to equip them so that they at least can um, compete on a level footing. Another area we're lobbying for, which is really important, is for the whole public procurement piece. Eight billion was spent last year by public uh, by the government uh, on various different states. The biggest functions. purchaser of goods and services the biggest in purchaser the country. In the country, and a lot of it is going out of state. Uh, very little of it is Irish and while the stats are will vary from sector to sector the big problem is there's nobody flying the flag for Irish companies on the ground to say hey let's at least put us on a fly, uh, an even footing if, mm. a, if a contractor no, mind you, there's probably European procurement rules which mean they have to open it up to everyone and absolutely. can't be seen to be but if necessarily fair if you look, if you look at France producers. and Germany precedent has already been set where there is an extra uh, weighting only an extra small amount of weighting given to at home uh, companies so that is not happening in Ireland and that has to start happening in Ireland if we're to be serious about trying to keep business here. We are a globalised economy. We are very small in the overall scheme of things out there. But we are the only, let's not let's not devalue uh, how important it is that we're the only English-speaking economy on uh, the right side of Europe. Uh, we're open for business with everybody. We have a terrific reputation in terms of Ireland of the welcomes. We're a very well-known mm-hmm. and innovative company, known for our country, known for our tech startups and ability to partner and, and, and 
grasp opportunities and work and and our talent, our our educated workforce is very strong. So let's use that, particularly in light of Brexit, particularly in light, light of what's happening in the US. And eighty four percent of um, consumers out there are saying uh, they would trust members from gar- who have carry the guaranteed Irish logo. And ninety six percent of consumers out there feel that it's important to buy from companies with a long term interest in Ireland. So if we're looking at international companies and indigenous companies, we're saying to the government, get behind us and allow them at least uh, be supported through uh, some of the areas that I've just highlighted there. Yeah, okay. So some uh, support from the government or state agencies would, would be helpful. That 300,000 budget, by the way, does that include paying salaries or is that just it your does. marketing We budget? all work for almost nothing. Church mice, absolutely. Uh, but our marketing, you must remember, is um, we're very innovative and creative in terms of our digital. So a lot can be done with the right people mm. at the right computers. And it's really important that we're channeling our efforts in that way. And to be honest with you, our engagement online is huge and that's where it's at at the moment. So that's part of the new Guaranteed Irish going yeah. forward. It's all about communicating in new lines. You joined it last year. You're obviously very passionate about it, uh, which is great. But if Guaranteed Irish disappeared tomorrow, would anybody miss it? Um, you know, I'd like to think the answer is an emphatic yes. I think this time next year when you ask me that question, I think the answer will be yes. Give me a few months and let's get the team behind us. And Team Ireland, I mean by that, behind us. There's lots of opportunities for small startups and uh, larger organisations who are coming in from other countries who want to be associated with small startups. And there's that whole Big Brother policy where they're putting their arm around and saying, listen, we'll give you a dig out from the CSR point of view. So corporate and social responsibility, as, uh, along with homegrown marketing, is really the key to Ireland navigating its way, I suppose, through our Brexit potential issues we're going to have. Look, we have clients out there who are in the food industry at the moment and they're saying every time they go to some uh, supermarket in the US, there are aisles of buy British. Irish foods and Irish producers of all products and services have to fight against this. They're our nearest neighbour. Yes, we want to still do business with them, but it's going to be a tough battle out there. And when all the when all the when all the battle gear is on, the bottom line is British are going to look after their own. We need to make sure we have new avenues. Guaranteed Irish is equipping businesses out there to work with international and their own at home and still grow their business while protecting their existing business in the UK market. So let there's no there's no harm in being associated with it. It's not going to hurt business. It can only help. Altogether better, it's the way forward. Okay, well, we wish you luck with that, Brit O'Connell. Thank you for joining us. Thanks ever so much. Okay, that's it from this episode of Inside Business. My thanks to Wim Verbrocken and Breed O'Connell for joining me in studio. Declan Conlon produced the podcast with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook. And if you'd like to make any comments or suggestions about Inside Business, contact us by email at businesspodcast at irishtimes.com. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. <laughs>